What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Track 16. We got a bunch of things on the slate for you guys today. A couple of recaps, some predictions. Big week for the Cowboys playing the 49ers Sunday Night Football. And, of course, the two-minute drill, the kids' picks, the stardom stidums. We got some niches for you guys uh, towards later in the pod. But before we get started, let's reintroduce the cast. We got the Rook. We got the Kid. The medical guy and the analyst joining us for a four-way podcast here. No pause. Welcome, everybody. Always good to have you guys back in the deal. Obviously, we're going to start out like we always start out. Let's get a little shatter the script action here. We got our wonderful Joy Taylor on Speak. Shout out to my boy David Hellman, the only white guy to get removed from from Speak. But I'm just playing around. But let's listen to... uh, Joy Taylor, get into some Dallas Cowboys talk on speak. <clears throat> the average giving up 19 points on defense. All right. The few issues black. Any team in the National Football League, and you talk about good defense, they was playing good defense. And the Cowboys really just beat these boys down, up and down the football field. I thought this win was big for the Cowboys, especially in this type fashion. <laughs> How you doing, Joy? Well, I'm glad you described that you number. The, the real Cowboys are however the defense plays. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the real Cowboys. So you said the Patriots' defense. Zero belief in that. The Patriots' defense was averaging, giving up 19 points, mm-hmm. right? Dallas's offense scored 20 points. So the Patriots' defense did what they always do. Mm. The Cowboys' mm. defense... <laughs> was responsible for the rest of the points on that board. Break it down. Team game. Breaking down. Team Taylor, break Except down. for one side of the ball is way, way, way better than the other side of the ball. And that side of the ball, the defense, sets up the offense to go score. That's how you and do. scores points on their own. They do. A lot of them. A lot. Definition a lot of, of football. Them. Let's talk about it. They score. They single-handedly, the defense single-handedly beat the Patriots 14-3. to yes, You want to cut special teams out, which also isn't Zach in the offense, 12 to 3. That's still a that's still kind of a blowout for an NFL game. That's taken away from the Cowboys. No, it's not because what happened last week is what Shady and I were talking about. What happens? What does this Dallas offense do that can't score in the red zone when the defense doesn't put? Yeah, so obviously we got a guy in the end. I believe that's James Jones. You know, he's an actual honest, I feel like NFL veteran who comes on there and keeps his composure and just gives sports takes. So I appreciate him kind of sticking his ground there but the kid i want to start with your initial thoughts on this shatter the script video um you know obviously joy taylor's comments what are your thoughts a couple of things one i do agree with her about the cowboys do go as the defense goes at this certain point of time uh obviously you've seen the cowboys defense besides the cardinals game has completely dominated especially with getting the turnovers and not only just the turnovers, just scoring points with that. Uh, she had her numbers mixed up. Uh, the Cowboys scored uh, 24 points on offense. You know, you know, you can't really discredit the whole offense like that. But, yeah, we have a luxury right now of where the defense can score touchdowns, create turnovers. and But, I mean, that is, there's no knock on that. Like Ryan said in the video, there's, that's just football. Um, the offense, you know, they get they have a few games to where they can, you know, get better in the red zone, and you know we'll get more into that during the uh, Cowboys section. But you know that doesn't this shouldn't discredit 
the Cowboys offense in general. It's just our defense is so good right now. They're going to score points. That's more points for us. And I don't have too much to say, but I do agree with the defensive part. I just think she went a wrong way with kind of trying to disrespect the offense to an extent. Yeah. And of course, Ryan. I mean, I already said it, but that's the definition of football. I mean, you want to win in all three phases. So the offense scored 24 points, the defense scored 14, and I guess you can count special teams in there as well. I mean, yeah, we're struggling a little bit in the red zone, but like to me, winning all three phases of the game means complete and utter domination. And there's been four games played. The Cowboys have done that in all three or three out of the four. I don't see the problem with, with that. That's just discrediting how efficient the Cowboys have been on all sides of the ball this year. I mean, I'll, I'll keep that short and save it for the Cowboys segment, but I just think that's just a ridiculous take. And that's like the name of the game at ESPN is like, they have to double down on everything they say, even when like the Cowboys look that good. If like the 49ers or like the bills did that, like they have before, they're all sitting there drinking the Kool-Aid. So it's just yeah. because there's a star on the side of the helmet per usual. So yeah, yeah, and of course the medical guy. Yeah, kind of to just reiterate what everybody else is saying. Uh, it's just ridiculous that because one side of the ball does really well, the other side didn't do very well. And like Hunter said, you know, twenty-four points were scored from the offense, and even if so many points were scored from the kicker, it's like, well, like Ryan said, that's another phase of the game. I mean, you know, the offense does have to get close enough for the kicker to kick it. So the offense is doing their job, obviously, in a way, not in a way that we would necessarily always like because we'd like to score touchdowns when we get that close. But at the same time, it, it doesn't make any sense why, you know, the defense is obviously a strong suit, um, why it would just discredit and and put down the other side of the ball. Uh, because, you know, the – the, the stat watching of last year was interceptions from Dak, yada, 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 turning the ball over. And then this year he's not. And so it's like all of a sudden he's not doing anything. And it's like, well, the one thing he's not doing is giving the ball back and putting his defense in a vulnerable situation, just like his defense isn't getting shredded and putting the offense in a vulnerable situation. So it's, it's literally like everybody said, it's complimentary football. One side of the ball complements the other side of the ball, which complements the other side of the ball. And so it, it's, I'm just, you know, repeating what all y'all are saying is that it, it's ridiculous to talk down when things are going good. And so that, that's just kind of my take on it. Yeah. And I won't forget when Joy Taylor was a Dak stan. You know, she was a huge Dak guy and Colin Cowherd show before she got moved to speak, before she was given the script, if you will. Um, my biggest take from it is, you know, yeah, obviously it's ridiculous, but I mean, the score was what thirty-eight to three late in the third or whatever. It was it was far apart for a while, and we shut down the offense for like a quarter, you know. So the expected points, the expected scoring points of that game were a lot higher than what they actually were, and not once this year, and even counting the interception against the Cardinals because it was the game was over by then. Has Dak put the defense in a vulnerable spot? Through, through four weeks, I, had, I cannot recall a moment where Dak put the offense in a vulnerable spot. You know, at every drive, they got to drive the length of the field because we at least move the ball against all, our, all of our opponents. So, yeah, complimentary football, absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, so that was our little shout of the script segment. We'll move into some NFL recap. Um, starting off hot here um, with the Saints versus the Bucks in New Orleans. Um, of course, Baker cooked 26 to 26 to nine. Derek Carr tried to play this game with kind of an AC joint injury. I'm not really sure if that was the smartest decision from the Saints um, because if you watch the game, he was the check down king. I mean, 14 targets to Kamara, 13 of them were caught for 33 yards. That's the fewest yards on 13 catches in history. In history. So, I mean, you look at it, and Alave didn't have any production. He wasn't really even targeted. Um, I mean, Michael Thomas is a scrub now, so whatever. But I really do think the problem with the Saints is Dennis Allen. I don't think he's a good coach. I think people look at that roster and go, dang. That's a good team. And then you go out, out there and watch him play, and you're like, what the hell is Taysom, in, Taysom Hill in there on third and 11 for? You know, stuff like that. You're like, what is going on here? And, of course, Baker making plays with his legs, man. That dude, he's been mobile. He's been he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, and that's dangerous for somebody, you know, who made the playoffs with a poverty franchise in the Browns. Um, and, you know, when he gets the things that he needs, he's – a serviceable guy, um, a bri- I would say a step above a bridge guy, I would argue. Um, and then, of course, to, to close it out before I kind of give it up for open discussion is the Tampa Bay defense is, is ferocious. They're physical. They're powerful. They got good interior. They got, you know, Levante's David can still play with the best of them. Um, I- I'm enjoying watching this Bucks team kind of be that dark horse, maybe division winner in that, in that division. And before the season started, I did not. I was not the most confident person in the world that the Saints would win this division. Um, I did not want to choose somebody else, but I don't believe in Derek Carr. But I'll right, leave it up for discussion, um, kind of open discussion here about what we kind of saw. Maybe some quick little comments. <clears throat> we can go around the circle here. I'll let the kid. It's so much easier. It's so much easier when we're all in one spot. But the kid, you go ahead and start, and we'll just rotate like we did. Uh-uh. Yeah, you know, I'm not the biggest Baker stan on the planet. I might be one of his biggest haters. Baker! But, but, you know, credit's due. Baker has played way above expectations, especially going into the season. You know, before a season starts, everybody's looking at, you know, you got the Panthers with uh, Bryce Young, rookie quarterback, Desmond Ritter for the Falcons, and then Baker Mayfield for Bucks. Then we have Derek Carr in the Saints, and you look at it, you know, the Saints have always in the last couple of years been like that team who's like, you know, they're missing a little something. Maybe it's like quarterback play. You know, they're always kind of a serviceable team. I think it's really goes down to their division. And, you know, they're, they haven't been really efficient on offense. And then Derek Carr gets hurt with an AC joint injury. And next thing you know, he's, like you said, 14 targets for Alvin Kamara in it's good on the fan. It's good for fantasy, but for the most part, it's you know the Bucks have been a really surprising team at division, and will it continue? I don't know if Baker's going to do it all year, and you know I just I think it's kind of the hater of me saying that, but I've seen Baker. I know what he is, and I think they need to sit down Derek Carr for maybe a week or two before this might get out of hand or something happens to where he can't play the whole year. Yeah, Kamara made people want to quit PPR leagues and fantasy. <laughs> but yeah, the analyst. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Jared read literally read my notes. I have Derek Carr as a check down <laughs> king, 
And I'm like, that's literally what I'm Word for word, what I read. Having Kamara didn't really affect the game. Jared said that too. But I think I think a lot of this is um, it speaks to the Bucks, man. I think the Bucks are underrated. I think it shows that the Bucks actually have like a good roster. And I think that speaks to them losing Tom Brady. It does suck. And you know, Tom Brady is good, but like they're still a good football team. Their defense is legit. And Baker Mayfield is kind of playing the best he's ever played. So I feel like he's always that guy that, like, when he plays, if he's got something to prove, then he he plays better. But when he's in comfortable spots, he sucks. So I just think this this game, being a divisional game as it was, it goes to show that, like, their defense is really, really good. And Baker Mayfield played pretty good. But I think – the, with Taysom Hill coming in on like third and 11 and stuff, it's really weird. So I don't know. The The Saints don't really like, I don't know how this team wins the division. They, they have a bunch of really like their offense looks good, but they have like, there is no wow to their team. What the heck are y'all laughing at? Um, <laughs> the noise, man. It scared, it scared all of us. We, were, oh, we heard like I, something bang. We were um, like, oh. A no. meteor crashed. And I, hit the, I actually hit my, hit my uh, keyboard. But, uh, and then I just saw everybody trying to hold in their laugh, and it made me laugh. I was like, what the hell are we doing? Well, nah, the, I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know it's You look fine. There's nothing wrong with like nothing. Yeah, you're good. I know, I know there's a lot of people in this screen right now who are not big believers on the beautiful thrower of the football, Derek Carr. <laughs> Derek Carr. Natural thrower. Natural thrower. You can throw a beautiful ball right to the I don't know. Defender. I feel like if he's healthy with that offense, they could do something. Like he, He's just like two extremes when he plays. It's either you've got, I'm throwing the ball deep, we're making plays, like what he did with Devontae Adams, or it's like this game where he's like, I'm throwing 13 passes to my running back and – we can't move the ball. I think some of that was due to shoulder, but like it's been like that for the last three games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of I, I agree with y'all. I think I think the Bucks are are kind of the surprising team, not only out of the division, but kind of kind of out of the league right now. Um, I don't think people. I mean, uh, we all remember those videos that came out in preseason of like Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield oh, throwing like ten yard outs that were missing by like ten feet each way. And so it kind of just set the bar real low, uh, but they definitely kind of surprised me for one. Um, and the Saints have kind of surprised me a little bit with with how, I guess, up to par they weren't playing, right? Because they bring in, you know, arguably, you know, arguably whoever you want to argue, uh, you know, a, a franchise-esque type quarterback with Derek Carr. I mean, he did put up pretty decent numbers at, at uh, the Raiders and whatnot. And he comes in with, you know, Slant Boy, who is finally healthy, and Olave, and then, you know, uh, Mr. Kamara, who's – we don't know if he should be playing football or not right now. Um, Jimmy Graham. But, yeah, and, yeah, 40-year-old uh, NBA Street Jimmy Graham. And, <laughs> uh, I mean, they just have a lot of weapons, and, they, you know, they have uh, – you know, they – have had a good defense in the past and, you know, just to see how slow they've started out. Um, it is just disappointing. I think more on the saints than it is uplifting on the bucks. Um, I do agree that 
I feel like the shoulder injury is definitely, you know, harnessing a little bit of Derek Carr. Uh, I don't I don't agree with the decision to play him when you do have a capable backup as Jameis Winston, even though he is more of a gunslinger. I think with those weapons that they have, you can afford to have that a little bit. And having that injury on that throwing arm, whatever they did to recover, whether, you know, he was pain free or if they had to shoot him up with some type of uh, numbing agent or anything like that, it would just affect the feel of how to throw the ball. And I mean, I think we can all say like you, you could kind of tell with, you know, you throw 14 passes to a running back for, you know, uh, basically a yard of catch. I mean, that shows that, you know, the offense doesn't trust to move the ball down the field as well as probably the quarterback. So I thought I thought this was kind of an ugly game for the Saints and then kind of sucked for Jameis Winston because, you know, you get him in there and he slings it down the field when they're already getting their ass beat. And it's like he throws a pick and it's like, well, there's Jameis. It's like, well, you know, it's kind of. It's kind of giving up time by the time he got in. Yeah, it's quitting time. Yeah. Yep. All right, next game. The Kid. Yeah, so we got a recap of the Texans and Steelers. First of all, shout out to C.J. Stroud proving a lot of people wrong and kind of, you know, being the best quarterback they have since Deshaun Watson. One advice I do have is stay away from the massage parlors, probably. You know, just kind of stay away from that kind of part of Houston. Um, the Steelers lost, yeah, the Steelers lost Kenny for mute and the game. Uh, they continue to struggle. You know, Jared, I know that's your guy, Kenny. You know, yeah, they got it's a long Matt. season. They got Matt, Afghanistan as their coach. I mean, Canada. Uh, <laughs> They've had a they had a little rough stretch, and like I said, D'Amico Ryan's has seemed to found their guy. I think they're all buying into D'Amico Ryan's stock. They love him. Uh, the defense is playing hard. C.J. Stroud's making some pretty veteran throws already, and he has Woke Boy over there not catching you know something towards the sideline, of course, you know, and somehow he's rated ninety point two PFF grade. It must be his blocking, which was non-existent on the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> CJ Stroud. Yeah. CJ Stroud 16 of 16 of 30, 306 yards, two touchdowns. Kenny Pickett 15 of 23, 114 yards, one interception, and the Steelers had 225 yards total offense. You got Najee, get rid of the stock, move on. Don't don't have no more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I think it's funny. I think they got the wrong tight end to do the Pfizer commercial. I think they should have done done it with uh, Dalton Schultz. Oh, um, boy. In, in my personal opinion. And he would have volu- loved it. He would have loved it. And it wasn't that he's dating Ty- uh, Taylor Swift or anything. It just He just loves the vaccine. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think C.J. Stroud clears, dude. I mean, I, I, like what I, I like what I see from him. He's got a very quick and accurate ball. He's very poised in the pocket. With a beat up O line, um, you know a lot of their. I don't think they had Tunzel. Kenyon Green's out for the year. They didn't um, have anybody. Anybody. Four, four out of the five. <laughs> and he's throwing for three hundred against <laughs> Pittsburgh's defense, which arguably is not a bad defense whatsoever. Um, yeah, very impressive from C.J. Stroud, and I like their. They, dude, they got weapons for the next three years, in my opinion. Mechie, um, Tank Dell, 
Nico Collins has finally come into his zone. We finally figured out that it wasn't just it wasn't him, it was the quarterback. So yeah, I like the Texans. I like <laughs> I like the Texans. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the Texans are another one of those surprise teams. Like you didn't really know what to expect, but I think this kind <clears> of <throat> puts a little bit of a of a knock on the previous coaching staff, right? I mean, they've got very similar weapons on the on the offense as last year. Obviously, the quarterback seems like a big step up. Uh, but, I mean, last year their offense was was anemic. It was brutal. And then to switch That's coaching staffs, uh, you know, switch, you know, play callers and all that. Um, and and the thing is, is D'Amico Ryans is a, is a defensive guy. And so, yeah. like, you bring in a defensive head coach and the offense gets better. And so it seems like he's made the right hires. Seems like they're making the right plays and – that offense is looking great, and we all we all knew that that defense, you know, was decent, and it's and especially competitive at least. And it just seems like he's kind of taking them to a new level. Uh, hopefully, their O line gets better because when that happens, and they can they can run the ball a little more, they could be they could be pretty scary in that division. Absolutely, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, a lot of positives for the Texans. CJ Stroud has been very solid. He has a good ball. I'm pretty sure this is the only Ohio State QB I've ever seen that is worth anything. Uh, D'Amico shows he's a good coach. And uh, fun fact, they are the youngest team in the NFL. They have a bright future. Um, they just haven't played anybody incredible for me to say they will win this division. And uh, that's all I've got to say about the Texans because I still don't care about them. And I won't. <laughs> I refuse to. Um, the Steelers. <clears throat> Team of two extremes, really good defense, absolutely zero offense. Kenny Pickett is meh, but I believe that has a lot to do with Matt Afghanistan or Canada, as uh, the kids said. And then Najee Harris is slower than the night before Christmas. That guy is so slow, I'm pretty sure I could tackle him. He might look strong, but you get his legs, it's over, and he, he runs like he's in molasses. Yeah, but, Ryan, he has freak stiff arms five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he might catch my helmet, but I, I'm pretty sure I can, <laughs> I can catch those slow legs. He runs like a stiff-legged old deer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the last thing I'll say about the, the Steelers is uh, they had – what was it? They've only had one – no, zero 400 total yard games since 2021. The next closest is four. Oh, my God. The next closest is four. Uh, they've at least had four 400 yard games. I mean, he's atrocious, and they want to give him get him more involved. But yeah, it's just atrocious to me. But uh, Ryan, what you got on the Bills and Dolphins? Yeah, so the Bills Dolphins 48 20. Um, I'm going to start with the Bills here. Josh Allen struggled in the first week against the Jets, but these past three games, he has shown that he is still him for sure. He's 21 for 25, 320 yards, and five touchdowns total. Uh, passer four, ran for one. And then Stone Cold Stefan Diggs, baby. That celebration <laughs> was everything. He torched the Dolphins' defense. He had a slot corner on him all day. What? And what? he torched that guy. So, bottom line, I think this is going to oh, – hold on. Wrong page. Because Stone Cold uh, said so. That's what you're going to say. Bottom yeah, line. That's right. Bottom, that's the bottom line. Baby. That's yeah. the bottom line. That's Bills. how a white man runs a football. That's right. <laughs> Bills, Bills took advantage of, like, 
why they drafted Dalton Kincaid and still have Dawson Knox. They were able to attack the middle of the field pretty good throughout the game, and then they flipped it to Diggs out in the outside on, in big moments. Uh, but I think the story here, like, while the Bills' offense played really good, is their defense. Um, sure, they allowed like 400 yards of offense, but I mean that's Miami. The Miami Miami's going to move the ball, but this is where it became key. They held Miami to three to three out of ten on money downs. I'm talking third downs there, and that's just really hard to do to do against Miami, who's just got done absolutely cooking the Broncos and putting up uh, 70 points. Um, the middle of the, the field is strong for the Bills. That's kind of where they attacked Miami, which is where you want to be. Um, they forced two turnovers and sacked two or four times. And I think the offense capitalized on that with three straight touchdown drives in the first half. So they were able to contain speed and keep pressure on Tua all game. I mean, Hill only had three receptions. Waddle only had four. A-Chain had – 101 yards. That was the only bright spot for Miami. H and 47, baby. So uh, they're kind of in the same boat as Dallas now. They just lost Tredavis White to a torn Achilles. That sucks. He was a uh, star corner for them. But all in all for the Bills, they showed up and they still show that they run the AFC East. That's eight straight against the Dolphins, 12-2 overall in the last 14. What? So – for going to Miami, story of the day, whole lot of yards, but just couldn't convert, and the penalties and turnovers killed them. 393 yards, like I said earlier, 3 of 10 on third down, and then 0 for 3 on fourth down. So they were able to move the ball a lot, but just couldn't do much with it. And then I think this is more of a story of how they're going to have to figure out how to stop a good offense on defense. And then, two, it can be stopped if you pressure them. It's just really hard to do with all that speed. You know, if you pressure Tua with four or three guys, then you might be able to stop Miami. But if you're having a blitz or something, they're going to make you pay. So I think Miami's story is, you know, they're going to have to figure out how to stop really good offenses. And then you flip the story over to Bills. They're showing that they still run the AFC East. Good luck trying to come up with anything else that you did not say, guys. Good luck. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, came, I came prepared. This this, uh, this game wasn't on the TV, but you know I had to go in and dig in, look at a bunch of passing charts. So I watched the game through the box score. But you know I, I got to tell you, the Bills—they're a freaking unit, man. They finally got yeah. a running back too. So oh yeah, James Cook, and you talked about it last week. He was like number three rush leader. Um, yeah, and the one thing that I'll say is I want Dallas to implement in their offenses the pre-snap motion that Miami and teams like Miami and San Francisco do once I'm about to sneeze. I think I got it. Or I'm good. Bless you. But uh, they do this little kind of uh, towards the sideline motion thing to start their route. And that pre-snap motion I think is killer. And that's something that we should get. Involved That'd be good with, with like, cooks. Yeah. Cooks, oh, Turpin, cooks. all of them. I mean, yeah. so anyways, I think you covered everything on that game. Unless somebody has some other comments. Yeah, no, good job. Ron. Josh Allen for MVP. <laughs> Yeah, he's putting up the case yeah. for sure. Yeah. Zach will <laughs> And to close us out and recap, the medical guy. Yeah, so I had the Eagles versus the Commanders. Uh, this was actually on my TV, so I got to watch it. 34-31 uh, <laughs> overtime win uh, for the Eagles. Uh, my biggest take takeaways were uh, Sam Howell looks like a gamer. Um, I know he kind of had a blunder Clears. last week and whatnot, Clears. but it seemed like – 
uh, you know, he, he that team got comfortable again. He made a lot of uh, uh, really good plays and and just really well-timed plays as well. It seemed like when the moment got big, uh, he got bigger with it and, you know, carried the offense, whether it was with his arms or his legs. I know it, it, the stat sheet may not show, you know, 300-plus yards or whatnot, but still threw for 200, had a decent completion percentage and whatnot. Um and everything like that. And the play to end the game and that throw, uh, to, I believe it was Jahan Dotson, um, uh, was just just kind of an all-time, like, good last-minute drive and play uh, and got his team, you know, in into a battle with the Eagles who, who are touted as a high one of the higher-ranked teams. Uh, second is that Eagles secondary is a little suspect right now. I know they got some injuries and whatnot, but yeah. uh, Sam Howe um, – Dodson, McLaurin, uh, all of them kind of shredded that that secondary, and and so that was a little suspect. Uh, their front, their up front defense is is top tier. They're really they're really great. Get pressure. They 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 stop the run game almost completely from the running back standpoint uh, for the Commanders and whatnot. So that that's probably their biggest strength, obviously on uh, on defense and whatnot. So. If you can, if you can figure out a way to just hold that up for a little bit and give your quarterback a little bit of time, uh, you, you'll look like you'll do pretty well against that defense. Um, uh, watching Jalen Hurts, I know he he's kind of a big point of this game. I thought he had a good game. He still seems to click off. Like there's just something that takes him a little bit to get going. However, it seems in crunch times he goes to his. He goes to his uh, guys, like his Browns, his Devontae Smiths. I mean, uh, A.J. Brown had an insane game, and it was just like, hey, the dude can run past everybody, right? And so that's where, with some of those TDs that kept him in the game and got him back into the game, uh, you saw was him running go routes and long routes down the field and whatnot and and making those good throws. Um, and that was another good thing from Jalen Hurts is he hasn't had to play from behind much uh in his career and to see him do it against his team and and against that washington front like it was great as well uh and then last you know we talked in the shatter the script at the beginning of of the of the pod and how uh the the host of speak kind of discredited the special teams right you know that's not part of the offense blah blah blah. jake elliott uh scored 12 of their points including their uh winning field goal um no 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 and i believe his field goals were 41 56 58 and 31 yard field Ah. goals so uh that guy was nails uh you could say whatever you want if you don't want to count that as an offense because it's dallas or whatever but he was a big a big time uh big time gamer for them as well uh and then last note on Washington is their front seven is now that Chase Young is back and healthy they're they're pretty damn good um yeah. I know they yeah. sacked I know they sacked uh Jalen Hurts three or four times had tons of pressure and stuff like that so uh I think they're they're kind of a surprise team a little bit uh with how they've turned out and that's kind of what I got on that game yeah, and you you took my notes on that one as well because I like I was going to talk about the Eagles secondary and and how I don't I don't know if it says more that the Washington receiving core is really good or that the Eagles secondary secondary is 
it has a weakness is the weak spot of that defense. And uh, like, like Hunter always says, you know, a pass rush can make a secondary look a lot better than they really are. Um, and, you know, maybe they're slacking a little bit on their pass rush and um, that's causing the secondary to struggle. But yeah, I thought Sam Howell was impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So any uh, final comments before we move into Sunday night football's penalty basically is basically over. <laughs> uh, Eagles, if they just need to stick there to their identity, uh, try to get a lead, you know, run the ball, you know, don't, try not to force too many passes, take some deep shots. But, you know, once they try to get back to that, I know teams are game planning around it, but try to stick to your identity and then adjust as you go instead of, you know, Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball a lot more than he did last year. Yeah. They're in a lot closer games. You know, I know it's a whole new season, but as an as an Eagles, <clears throat> as the Eagles team, they just need to keep their identity and that's run the ball, third and shorts, fourth and shorts, keep the off or keep the defense off the field and continue to put points on the board. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I, the only thing I have to add to what hasn't been said is I think, and, you know, maybe a hot take, and I know the Cowboys have lost one, but I think this shows weakness. And <laughs> the reason I say that is is they they finally opened up the passing game, but I I think that if you stack the box and you're able to stop their run game, I, th- I think this shows weakness, and they're they're going into a tough slate these next couple weeks. And I haven't said it on this podcast yet, podcast yet, but from here on out, you're about to find out who's good and who's not good. And we'll get into that about yeah, Dallas and 49ers. But from these four four weeks, I don't think I've really shown a lot. But these next you know couple four or five weeks for all teams are hard slates. So. It's going to start really showing who's good and who's not. But I, I think this Eagles-Commanders game, them going into overtime, and Ron Rivera being an absolute biatch and not going for it for two <laughs> right there because his defense or his offense was tired. Yeah, go win the game. You're playing the Super Bowl running up, runner-up. Go win the freaking game. I don't care if you're off. You lost tired. anyway, you know? Yeah. Like, Yeah. You want to go play. If your team is tired, then why would you want to go into overtime? Yeah. Win yeah. the game. Like put 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 money down and win the game. That's ridiculous. About one more play, guys. Yeah. But I, I on another note, I do think the the commanders are actually not bad. I think they're actually a good football team. Um, I think they'll win more games than people give them credit for. But uh yeah, I think the main story of this is that like the front seven for the Eagles is nasty, but the the secondary is hurt pretty bad. But I think I think the Eagles are vulnerable. There's there is a little kink in that armor, is what I think. Yeah, C D so. Lamb's gonna expose the hell out of Darius Slay again. And I can't mm-hmm. wait for that. Um yeah, well let's get into some or this Sunday night football. Um little track like of our member standings. Um we lost a little bit of track of the medical and analyst um because it was a little bit too much to keep um a hold of, but the rook. I'm three and one so far predicting Sunday night football games and the kid undefeated at four and oh. I lost my last Sunday night Woo! football. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I lost the Pittsburgh one and he was able to uh, jump ahead of me on that one. We both predicted the Chiefs this past coming Sunday night. So those are the standings there. Four and oh kid. If we're being honest, with the Pittsburgh game on at that time, we all lost. 
like America lost because we had to watch. Exactly. It. Yeah, <laughs> we said that too. We were like, Hunter said he was like, "We got to watch that on Sunday night." I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were like, "Don't worry, America. We'll watch it for you, so you don't have to." Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like election yeah, they, night. Yeah. Don't worry, America. Yeah, Twitter will watch it, like, so you don't have to. Ain't nothing like watching. You know, the last thing you watch before you go to bed on Sundays, watch Jimmy G throw four hospital balls to Devontae Adams. Like, <laughs> I want to watch. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Chiefs obviously got the dub, twenty-three to twenty against the Jets. Was this a defensive pass interference on Gardner, and was it a holding call on third and twenty-two? The medical guy. I will start with you. So, by the book, yeah, it was a hold on Sauce Gardner. How they were calling the game all night, no shot. And it's just one of those times where it's like you don't really call it all game, and then in one of the most pivotal times that was an absolute bailout call, you called it. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, gave, gave the Chiefs a first down and whatnot. So it was, it was really tough. Um, especially, you know, seeing as how it looked like the Jets were going to get another stop and, and whatnot. Um, so that was tough. And then as we have mentioned right here, uh, I, I think me and me and the, uh, analysts actually kind of talked about it and watched a little video of the misholding call where, I mean, the, the left tackle is essentially like holding the guy up in the air while he's trying to rush the passer and the, the defensive end is just like, yo, what, like, what do I have to do? <laughs> um, and so that would, that was really tough for another, for an, a missed call. And then the last, last note right here, talking about Zach Wilson. Uh, yeah. He, for three and a half quarters, he played phenomenal. Like some of those throws, you were like, yo, this is why you got drafted my guy. Yeah. And yeah, I think at fine. the same time, I think it seemed like, the Jets were like, hey, like this dude hasn't been very good. We really have nothing to lose right here. Nobody expects us to even be competitive in this game. Let's open the playbook. And I mean, if you look back at, at his at Zach Wilson's BY Young days, like the it, he made his name from those super crazy throws. Why not allow him to at least try with with the weapons you have and whatnot? Um, and then a note that I wanted to make is is uh you know, about the, the Jets defense, like it's still good. Like, I mean, they, they played very, very well um, and, and showed kind of a little bit of weakness as they showed with Josh Allen is if you're going to try to play hero ball and throw it up, they're going to make you pay. And every time, even on the bailout call, Patrick Mahomes threw it up and triple coverage. Picked, yeah. Should have been picked off for whatever is third or fourth time. And I think that that shows how well the Jets defense actually is. And if they can get a little bit more complimentary ball on that offensive side, they could still be a really good team. Um, but I think they, they need to, I mean, at this point, they, they need to let Zach Wilson sling it because, I mean, that's obviously where he's good is when, you know, he just kind of lets it go. So uh, I'll pass it on to one of y'all for, you know, who whoever wants yeah. to go next. Well, you, you kind of lit a fire within me there uh, just on like a, a realization, and I think you hit it on the nail, was I think the Jets thrive like blood in the water. Like they're the shark and the blood's in the water. They thrive against gunslinging quarterbacks. 
Josh Allen and Mahomes both struggle <coughs> against this defense, and I'm eager to see the Miami Dolphins play them too. That's because you're throwing the deep ball on them. You're probably going to get punished because they're DJ Reed, I believe that's his name, um, Sauce Gardner. You know, those dudes can play good secondary ball. I mean, obviously, Sauce Gardner's ranked number one in most people's rankings um, from what I've seen. And who is the one quarterback that took what the defense gave them and just 31 of 38 did what he had to do? I mean, you got to give props for props or do. I thought, you know, you don't have to throw the ball 40 yards down the field on a great defense. You just got to dice them up one by one. Then they start getting frustrated. They try and make moves. You blitz, you make a mistake, bang, there's your there's your boom play. So, yeah, hey, Jets defense, don't sleep on them. And Mahomes, this doesn't mean anything for his legacy. He'll be fine. I mean, take your time. I just cannot believe the penalty. Yeah. The the like the the holding call on Sauce Gardner. I, I'm willing to argue that that wasn't a holding call because it was close to the line of scrimmage. And by NFL rule, you can from the first five yards, you can toss, tug pull on Jersey, put your hands in a face mask. Like you can do whatever you need to do. And for the most part, and you can get away with it for those first five yards. And like Jacob said, they were just calling the way they were calling the game. There's not a lot of penalties and the ref didn't throw the flag until the ball was caught Yeah, for the interception. And I just couldn't believe it. Now, for the missed holding call on third and 22, where somehow Patrick Mahomes got 22 yards by his legs, I think that was a hold. Um, the argument that a lot of people were making, which is fair, was the alignment had set feet, hands on him, had him locked down. But the thing was, he had him basically bear hugged, where the guy couldn't move. That's a hold. Like, by definition, if you're impeding him from making a play, then yeah, that's a hold. Where if you're, you gotta let him go if he's trying to go right or left, unless you can just follow him and make that block. But like, I don't know. That's just, that's a lot. And then you already touched on Zach Wilson, but I think Patrick Mahomes got bailed out big time. And the last note on this is, please get Taylor Swift off my freaking screen. Yeah. Like this is the NFL. Please just leave it alone. I don't need to see Taylor Swift every single time. She, like they're in a primetime game. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be in like every primetime game now. Kelsey finds a blank space. They yeah. think that Taylor Swift is going to be like the meta to getting all of these other people involved in the NFL. We don't want them here. They can go sit and wonder where Taylor Swift is sitting at a game. And now y'all just created a Canaan event for Taylor Swift and Brittany <laughs> Mahomes to come back in here and start it's making some wild content. So, yeah, get her off. I want. Screen. I want somebody to make a parody account of, like, let's say some random NFL teams, and then they edit a, a direct cut to Taylor Swift in the booth. Kenny Pickett drops back, flies Allen Robinson back in the back corner of the end zone, and there's Taylor. <laughs> it just fans straight to Taylor Swift. Just like random NFL plays throughout the year. I want to see them cut to Taylor Swift. Some parody account. You'd probably get a lot of likes um, and follower accounts on, on Twitter. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Hunter, you want to close us out on this one? <laughs> yeah, all I'll say is I thought it was a little bit of a hold, but like Jacob said, you know, the game's not being called like that. So, you know, why call it then? And then, but another thing I always feel like, like I hate when it's just in general, 
dictate a game and just, you know, you make teams can make so many mistakes or they can do all these good things and then they blame it on one flag. And we've seen, we've seen it happen again. And I just hate when the, the zebras on the field have too much, you know, control of the game in situations like that. So, yeah, yeah, that's that definitely is, the inconsistency. And also, also, I will say though, Taylor Swift, that shit is annoying, but that game was the most watched Sunday night game in like since like the Super Bowl. And that's just because, you know, girls are like, Oh, babe, I want to watch football with you now. Taylor Swift's on the TV. Man, 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 this man, is man. my me time, babe. It's, just, like, it's for the boys. Shoot, like, get that crap out leave of me to, Leave me to my Bud Light. Yeah, yeah. Bud Light, babe. <laughs> and that will do our recap. Now we get to do a little bit of predictions for this week. I got the game of the week. Joe Burrow <laughs> versus Josh Dobbs. The struggling Joe Burrow takes on the blazing hot Arizona Cardinals. The Bengals are a minus four and expect the Bengals to win and attempt to score 500 points. Jamar Chase is always open, 7-11. Expect him to be like a baby. Joe, you are wide receiver one for fantasy this week. Final prediction score, 38-10 to 10 Bengals. I think this could be a <laughs> That's a heck of a that's a heck of a prediction right there. 38 to 10 yeah. final prediction for the Bengals to win. Thank you. <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty good. All right, Jamar, Ryan. Jamar Chase, 17 targets, 16 catches, 297 yards. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit, he is always open. <laughs> we got another diva on our hands. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I've got two games. I've got the Eagles and the Rams. Uh, Philadelphia minus four and a half. Who's the winner? Uh, you know it's going to be the Eagles. <laughs> Eagles will win this game, but I think you should take the points here for the Rams if you're a betting man. I think the Eagles will struggle, but they end up winning. And Matthew Stafford is going to have some trouble with that front seven. But my final prediction for the Eagles-Rams game, Eagles uh, 24. Let's go with the Rams at uh, – 21 and that they will not cover the spread. You need to take the Rams four and a half. My next game is top Texans Falcons currently mid versus mid uh, Atlanta has that minus one and a half favorites. Uh, I would take the Texans money line. I am taking the Texans impressive showing last week from them in shroud. I don't think the Falcons can hold them down. And on top of that, Desmond Ritter is bad is beyond below mid. So it's going to be B. John Robinson highlight tape, text two with Toy Story highlights. So somebody <laughs> throw that I'm a boss on there. And let's I don't want to play it. with you anymore. <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to throw Woody in the trash can like Desmond or Desmond Ritter in the trash can. Like Ryan, Woody. Ryan, we going Ritter or Heineke? If you had to pick who you pick it. Give me Heineke, dude. Yeah, that felt stud, baby. Uh, give me yeah, Heineken. Battlehawk legend. Yes. So, <laughs> give, give me Heineke over Ritter. Ritter is so mid, it's unbelievable. Not my kind of Bearcat. Not my kind of Cincinnati Bearcat. He's not, not, he's not, he's not from them boys down south, Sammy State Bearcats. You know what I mean? <laughs> down there in Bower Stadium. <laughs> Rowing four right now. So. Yeah, y'all are trash, bro. 
Yeah. Hey, man, it's, it's FCS, right? Come on, we're no longer FBS. <laughs> it's becoming, it's becoming a bird. <laughs> Coach Keeler. <laughs> That's more what it's like. I'll hold my comments back on Coach Keeler. He's a bad kitty. The medical guy. All right. Well, I've got the Jaguars versus the Bills. The Golden Boy versus the Golden Boy. Hunter's favorite crush, Trevor Lawrence. All right. Oh, yeah. However, so dreamy. However, Mr. Sunshine, I'm taking the Bills 30-24. Bills 30-24. I think Allen, if he continues to play like he does, not try to force the ball, not try to play hero ball, uh, and go all NFL street on the Jags defense, I think he does well and they continue to dominate. Uh, also, Von Miller gets back. I believe he comes off the PUP list. That's just to add to another upfront specialist on that defense that has seemed to be pretty decent. Um, and I do say the Jags have to play absolutely perfect to win this game. Um, however, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. They've kind of had a, they've kind of been a little bit off, and I think this is the wrong team to try to get back on track with. Um, I think the Jags are going to try to backdoor cover. Uh, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So, sorry, Hunter. I got to go against your golden child, uh, the second coming of Christ, Trevor Lawrence, and go with Josh Allen. The so old, old hashtag Juco boy coming from Wyoming, going with the golden child, Mr. Josh Allen. Go with the, the Juco product. Love that. Down to the Meadowlands with the Raiders. The Raider, the Ravens versus the Steelers. All right, here we go. If you're a betting man, avoid the spread. This is a rivalry game. It's going to get nasty. It's going to get ghetto. We got Kenny, pick, 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 oh Fife, pick, pick, pick it. Bruise knee. Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa. <laughs> Kenny, pick it, bruise, bruise knee. Uh, not looking too good. It says he's going to play. We got um, Canada as the offensive coordinator revamp with against this dynamic revamped Lamar Jackson offense. Um, Lamar playing well without his weapons. He's missing shit in his mouth. OBJ um, as well as Rashad uh, Bateman. I think, I mean, I wrote down here the Ravens cover the spread, but I'm avoiding the spread at all costs. I think this is going to be like some low-scoring affair, field goals each other to death sort of game, 21-16. Ravens. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wild one. Holy moly. Yeah, I I flew off the whim there. I I, I got a little ramped up when I started going. (laughs) Lasers coming out your eyes. <laughs> Ravens. Yeah. Well, now the segment we've all been waiting for. Of course, we got the upcoming Sunday night football game. We got the tracking the boys segment. Sunday night football coming up. Before we get started, we got to show what Ryan cooks up for us every single week after a Cowboys dub. Play the video. <laughs> Play the video. Play up. <laughs> Smoking that Patriots pack, baby. Yeah, I got you. I got you, brother. Yeah, put your phone down. <laughs> you want it on? You want it on full screen? If you're watching this, tune in. This is some magic work here. There we go. There we go. <clears throat> hey. 
Yeah, smoking that Patriots pack, thirty-eight to three. W. Um, <laughs> um, let's start with the offense here. We want to talk about you know how the offense was with the red zone conversions. Um, whether or not you know we thought the running of the passing game was efficient. I want to give the kid the opening mic here to, to begin on the offense, and we'll work our way around and then transition transition to the defense. Yeah, so with the offense this week, you know, they were still efficient, you know, not too efficient in the red zone. Uh, great throw by Dak to Schoonmaker that was dropped. And like I said, off script, you know, throws like that, you know, they're, they're tough catches, but – you know, those are the those are the type of moments where you you watch the game and you see what's really going on doing this box score, because then you know, technically that's a drop or incompletion for Dak, but he makes a great throw. You know, if that's C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, that might be a touchdown. Uh, the offense, you know, they're still a little struggling in the red zone, but they did use that big old white boy. It's how a white man runs a football in the uh, red zone. So you know. It's kind of like, you know, I kind of mentioned it too. It's like, you know, the vanilla, like, you know, that it's really vanilla that use him in the red zone, but this guy is like bluebell. So when you use that, you know, bluebell vanilla ice cream is always going to smack. It's always going to provide. It's always going to hit. Use that vanilla white boy in the red zone, inside the, the five. Um, Michael Gallup, you know, we really shit on that guy a lot last year. But Michael Gallup has really come back to kind of form of, you know, kind of if that was him last year, you know, things might have been different for that Cowboys team. But the thing is, even with the offense struggling in the red zone a little bit, there's still some positives. Dak's being efficient. He's not, you know, trying to be that gunslinger, but he's still taking some shots. He's, you know. Given what the defense takes them, especially when you have a defense like that we have right now, that's a, really the only way to do it. And this next game against the 49ers is really going to be a test of, you know, the defense not, might not be able to score any touchdowns because Brock Purdy's, you know, top five luckiest quarterback of all time. Um, so we'll need to we'll need the Cowboys offense and you know, playmaking and offensive uh, coordinator calling the right plays. You know, we just need to get in the end zone because a team like the 49ers, field goals when we're inside the five and don't get in the end zone is not going to cut it against this team. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I'll stick to our offense real fast. I really liked what we did with the Patriots. We kind of had our way with them. Um, passing game was working really well. Running game was there. Uh, they're just very complimentary in offense. That's one thing that I'll say with, with Zeke being gone. I made the joke to everybody in here that Zeke was going to run for 300 yards on us. It's just a canon dunk, Just to dunk it on me so that I would have to not come back on this podcast for the rest of the NFL season. But, yeah, anyway, um, Soldier Boy, you suck four carries for 15 yards. Crank that, Soldier Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm – I'm really liking what I'm seeing from the offense, but I, I, it's the thing that's getting me still the red zone struggles. Um, they they did better, like Hunter said, in the red zone, but there's a lot of positives to the Cowboys offense. Mind you, really week four. I mean, there's still teams out there that are struggling with their offenses too. They're in the exact same position as the Cowboys. 
but um, just different ways. But the, the thing that I really like to see is getting Hunter Lepke involved right there at the goal line. Like I said last podcast, I mean, he's a North Dakota State Bison, and all they do is line up in high forms and try and punch you in the mouth. And he's he is meant to get you those two or three yards on the, on the red zone. Um, not sure where they gave it to him in the shotgun. If it was me, I would just put like every heavy body I have right there at the front of the line and just turn around and give it to Lepke. But um, yeah, I really liked what I saw from Dak. Very efficient, taking what the defense gave him. And uh, I mean, it it resulted, you know, regardless from what Joy Taylor said, it resulted in 24 points against a Patriots defense that's usually pretty dang good. So if you're going to knock on us for that, well, I mean, would you rather us go score 45 and Dak turn the ball over four touchdowns? or four times, like, stop moving the goalpost. The offense is efficient. They just need to figure out a little bit in the red zone. But, you know, I'll save my defensive comments. Sweet. Yeah. yeah oh, no, one last I, thing. I, uh, oh one last thing. God. Tyler Smith is playing like an all-offensive lineman. He's playing like a lights-out left guard. That's all I'll say. That's exactly what Jacob was but not. <laughs> yeah, he interrupted me to talk about a guard. Give me a break. Oh, come uh, on. That dude's a baller. Don't yeah. you disrespect the O-line. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with what, what all of y'all said. I'll take, a, I guess, a more optimistic look on it, um, is that even though we may be struggling in the in the red zone, it seems like we're getting to the red zone, you know, 85 90% of the time. And so, you know, if you fix that last, you know, little percentage of the yardage that we need to get into the end zone. Just imagine what some of these scores and some of these headlines would say, right? Um, the only down part about the the red zone is I still think it's just absurd to me that um, we're not using, you know, CD Lamb, who's a playmaker, Michael Gallup, who's a jump ball specialist uh, in the red zone as much as we are. And I just think we – it seems like there's just – it's like – they keep the playbook kind of simple and then they get into the red zone and then just open the whole thing up and just throw a dart at it and be like, yeah, we'll run, you know, this, this fake jet sweep, you know, shovel pass to whoever. And it's like, guys, just line up in 10 or 11 personnel, you know, run it or throw it. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a full, you know, seven second rollout flood to one side of the field. Like, Hey, we got to slant one way, we got to fade one way, or we just run it up the gut with who we have. So I, I guess if you want to get kind of ticky tacky, that's where we could. Uh, but ultimately, looking at it from a high end glass half full type thing, is that we are in the red zone all the time. So that's just kind of my take on the offense. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that, I wanted to bring up as well was, you know, Jalen Tolbert, Jalen Tolbert, you know, kind of showed a little bit of sparks um, in this game. And to Hunter's point that he talked about very earlier in the summer, and we both kind of were talking about it in the preseason was when he gets his reps, he has to make his reps count. And I think yesterday when he was in and he got the ball throw, thrown to him, he made him count. Um, so he looks good. I'm glad he was able to get in there and get some reps. Um, yeah, Dak looked like he was on today uh, or the other day. And that ball to Schoonmaker, you know, kind of widened my eyebrows a little bit. That one to CD Land got me off my seat. Um, but yeah, I just like, I, I thought the predictability was still the same in this game. If I had to nitpick something out of the offense, was, 
you know, like Jacob said, we're getting to the off, get to the red zone a high percentage amount of the times. We're traveling the length of the field. We're we're getting points off of turnovers a hundred percent of the time, unless Aubrey doesn't make a field goal or you know we go for it on fourth down, which I I don't mind going for it on fourth down if we got a lead. If, you know, we're trying to make a play, coach. But um, yeah, no, I thought that it, it it just it makes no sense to have Hunter Lepke in the shotgun hand it off and then flip it and put Deuce Vaughn in a single back goal line set and then flip that again and go Hunter Lepke shotgun. It was just like, what are you, are are we stupid here? Let's have Deuce Vaughn in a pass pro. Yeah. That's, that's really going to work. Yeah. Just like the substitutions and the personnel just didn't seem to match what the concept of the play was in about 15 to 10% of the plays. It just, it was very odd to me, but yeah, vintage Gallup, um, he he looks like he's he's making a return. Um, so yeah, I so think let's he's go. Finally healthy this year, yeah. and I think that's making a huge difference. Like, and yeah. he's like we've said him before. He's a wide receiver three compliment. Like he he's really good, and he's shown he's best. Like when Omari Cooper was here in that wide receiver wide receiver three range, which is fine. But like, I think he's finally healthy, and I think eventually, I think this is the game. But I eventually. Brandon Cooks is just going to show up and everybody's going to be like, Oh my God, I forgot they had Brandon Cooks. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. with the, I just, I'll, I'll add one last thing with like the offense. I think when people like, especially on media talk about the Cowboys offense, it's, they kind of word it wrong. It's with the offense itself scoring points. It's not, that's not the issue. The issue, I think that how they should word it is how many field goals, that the Cowboys are kicking like inside 10 yards. Yeah. You know, if they were, you know, if they were, they can, they move the ball, they get it inside the 10, you know, they can go 70 yards down the field. You got 10 more yards. And it's like, you know, it's not like it was just one time or two times. Like you're starting to see like Brandon Aubrey, he, um, you know, five or six, already 30 yard field goals. And every time you kick a field goal, whatever marker it's at, you, add 18 so if you're at the 20 it's a 38 yard field goal and so with that being said you know i think they're just wording it wrong and then with the cowboys defense you know they're scoring points but it's just the spring are kicking the field goals inside when they're like especially like inside the five yard line and it's like you know we need to start punching it in and i just think media is just kind of Yeah, and to add to that, like I think that's a fair assessment, and that's a fair knock on the Cowboys because, like, in in the Sunday night's game when they play the 49ers, it is going to be imperative to make that that touchdown count because, like, what we've done with these other teams where we get down there and kick a field goal, we get down there and score, and we do it like that. Like, it's going to be imperative for Dallas to make that opportunity count because they're not going to be in the red zone as much as we've been in games past. Yeah, and I want to comment on that once we get to the 49ers um, segment because, you know, that's I feel like that's a vital part of the game, and I got mm-hmm. some notes on it. Um, but we'll transition to the defense here, and then we'll quickly get into Dak on track. Um, but, yeah, I just want to share Micah Parsons. This is the stuff that goes unnoticed. Um, you know, one of the good things about next gen stats, and I've always been a fan of advanced statistics, is you know, is stuff like this. This he had, he recorded you know zero sacks against the Patriots, but this is I mean, what he had another game with eight or nine pressures. 
Um, the guy is just ridiculous, and it's a lot like you know Demarcus Lawrence. He's in a he's in a top elite run defender, um, and he shows it every year. But nobody talks about him because he doesn't get sacks. Well, Parsons has had one of the highest pressure rates out of all, and he should as one of the best players in the league. Um, this is just not going to be talked about. They're going to be talking about you know Khalil Mack six sacks, which is absolutely impressive. Um, but I, I wanted to share that with everybody, and because we passed it around in our group chat. Um, but to counter off of that Parsons, uh, pressure rate was finally to Ryan's point. We got John way and Marquise bell back into the lineup as Rovers to roll down and play in the run game. And it worked. I mean, what they, I think they had 40 total yards rushing for the game somewhere around that. Um, just a completely effective, um, I guess, kind of a hybrid nickel kind of defensive platform to build your defense off of, you know, especially after losing Overshone, who was going to be so exciting to watch in this defense, dude. Um, Marquise Bell and Yonway Thomas have definitely earned their paycheck. Um, Yeah, so solid performance there. I didn't see any gaps in the secondary. Um, But uh, medical guy, we'll go to you, and then we'll rotate to Ryan and then finish out with uh, Hunter. uh, Your thoughts on the defense. Yeah, I thought the defense, yet again, looked pretty dominating. Uh, it was cool to see uh, Deron Bland kind of bounce back uh, with this game, as well as uh, Stephon Gilmore. I uh, definitely thought the linebackers played a lot better this game uh, as well. And, you know, up front, I mean, that that's always going to be the highlight of that defense is, is you, know, the, you know, all the DNs, D tackles and whatnot, uh, you know, Rushing the rushing rushing the passer, clogging up run run gaps and schemes and stuff like that, and kind of taking some of that pressure off the secondary, but also allowing for the secondary to be aggressive, right? Because if you know that you know Michael Parsons is getting there fifty percent of the time, and God knows the percentage of all the other people there as well, you know they're trying to get the ball out quick. They've got to make first read decisions or second read decisions, and so it allows you know the defensive back strengths to then come to light is them being aggressive, playing close on routes, jumping routes and stuff like that. As we saw with Deron Bland, who literally, you know, they play up close on the line and are able to then, you know, have more educated guesses on like, Hey, the ball's coming out quick here. I can take a risk and whatnot. So I think all in all, I mean, the Cowboys defense did what they did in three of the last four games. So uh, it's definitely exciting to see. Yep. And Ryan? Yeah, so I'll keep it uh, short and sweet here. That that was a statement game from the Cowboys defense. You know, last last week they got shredded by – or, yeah, the week three they got shredded by the Cardinals. And uh, everybody kind of doubted. They were like, oh, CER, the real deal. And I think that pissed them off. And it pissed them off really good. Um, because they came out and they dominated uh, the front seven dominated. Jared already showed Michael Parsons stats. I mean, he's tearing them up. He only had two tackles, but it really shows that like sacks aren't the only thing that a defensive end can do. Like he was pressuring Mac Jones. I think he had nine pressures and I mean, he just, he tore him up. And the best thing about that too, was that um, like was already said, our linebackers, really did a good job of 
of containing and being there. And they didn't do it in the Cardinals game. And that was a very big um, problem. And that was a very big concern for me going into like this 49ers game. It's like, we're going to need our linebackers when we play CMC. So uh, I was really impressed with Deron Bland. He came back and he showed that he could still play very well. Um, there's a lot of statistics out there that shows that he can create turnovers and that he belongs. And um, I think what really helped him was that he finally got a full week of practice of actually playing outside and he shut him down. Now, I mean, the receivers for Patriots aren't anything special, but like he showed that he belongs. And um, I'm really impressed with this Cowboys defense still there. Uh, still one of the best defenses in the NFL and they came out and they wanted to prove to everybody like, Hey, look, we're still here. We're pissed off. And you know, now it's on to, onto the 49ers. Yeah. So, you know, like we always talk about the defense is, you know, super fun to watch, you know, the crane turnovers are getting to the back. Uh, and speaking to that, uh, Michael Parsons chart, he's, you know, he's already forced two interceptions just by rushing the passer, making him roll out of the pocket. And he almost had another one against the uh, Patriots. Jaron Curse just dropped it. It was right in the basket. And just Micah Parsons, you know, even though he's not getting sacks, he's still getting a quarterback including more of these turnovers. So if you, you know, even though the DB is, you know, getting these interceptions, if it wasn't for Micah Parsons forcing – a non-mobile or even sort of mobile kind of quarterback out the pocket and it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't even happen. And with the defense, they're just flying around. Deron Bland, we saw it last year. He's, you know, a ball hawk, not Trey Diggs, but he has those kind of same traits of you kind of float one out. He's probably going to go get it. And, you know, we're going to miss Trayvon Diggs. And that was a big statement game. Defense. Yeah, y'all hit on agreed. Now. So we're gonna trans transition into the Dak Cycle part of the segment. It's called Dak on, on Track. We look at a passing chart of Dak, and then we all do our letter grades. Twenty-eight of thirty-four, two hundred sixty-one yards touchdown. A lot, a lot of more down the field than we saw against the Cardinals and the Jets. Um, Dak was a fit once again, you know, when he's in that, you know, 70 and up completion percentage around 240 to 260 touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the kind of Dak that we're, used to, we're good to seeing with the, you know, a great game manager uh, for this performance. I'm going to give him a A minus. Probably be the only time I'll give right. him an A. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But. <laughs> That's pure hate. That's pure hate. No, that's got to be racist. He only had that one (laughs) touchdown, but you know, like I said, he threw he threw Ceedee Lamb that beautiful fade ball. Ceedee Lamb almost made a spectacular catch on it. And thing with uh, Shoemaker. Thing about it is, those are the kind of throws that we that Dak needs to make. Even though they don't end up as a touchdown, it could end up as an incompletion, interception you know, tip defender or tip ball off the wide receiver's hands. But those are throws that you see you don't see on the box score. And Dak continues to be efficient and just give the defense or take what the defense is giving him. And if 
once the Cowboys figure out that, you know, red zone inside the seven yard line to where instead of getting three points, we're going to score more with the touchdown, uh, the Cowboys will be very, very, very dangerous for games to come. Agreed. Yeah. The analysts. Oh, actually, I'll, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. Um, yeah. You hit it on the nails. Um, I, I, what I what impressed me about Dak and when I think he's in his best rhythm is when he's hitting those intermediate sideline throws, um, those ones that are 10, 15 yards down the field on time, in rhythm. Um, you know, converting third downs was huge. He's been good at it, great at it, exceptional at it all year this year. Um, I've been very impressed with his accuracy. Um I, I'm really not looking for him to pull up the stat sheet. I'm, I'm really just looking for efficient football. And we always agree that we want, most importantly, a Cowboys win. Just a Cowboys Super Bowl with Dak would just be a little bit sweeter. Um, so 28 to 34, 261, a touchdown, still no turnovers. The, you know, the cool thing about this is that Dak only has one interception. The rest of the NFC East combines for 14. So I'm going to give Dak an A- minus as well. I thought about giving him an A, but I like, I'm like i going to go with A- because I think we can convert better in the red zone. Uh, the analyst? Yeah, I uh, I look at this chart and I just see efficiency and efficiency everywhere, and that's what I love to see from Dak, and I think that's the kind of quarterback he is. Um, the passing chart shows a lot of, like, a couple behind the line of scrimmage, but like Jared said, it. Um, I think it just shows, like, when he's at his best, it's him hitting the sidelines at uh, 10 and under, and that's what opened up the uh, CeeDee Lamb uh, go ball on the left side over 20 yards, which was an absolutely beautiful throw. Same with the Jake Ferguson throw that – or, I mean, sorry, the Shoemaker throw that I have no clue why Jake Ferguson wasn't in the game for that. I guess we had to get our second-round bum tied in a throw. But, uh, to <laughs> Don't know. He's going to work. Uh, to give him a grade, I'm only going to give him a B plus, just just because I want to see more out of this entire team out of the red zone, and I want to see him use his legs. But I feel like that call is coming from the house that he's not allowed to run because of what happened to him in 2020, which is just ridiculous. Because there's so many times where we're like we hand the ball off and everybody on the edge is just shooting for you know, the ball or the running back and all Dak has to do is pull it and he could bear crawl into the end zone. But anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll only give him a B plus just because I want to see our team do a lot more in the red zone than what we've, we've shown. And it's been efficient, like we've said, but I want, I want to see like, I want to see touchdowns. So great game from Dak. He continues to just be completely efficient for this football team. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree with Ryan there. I, I wasn't going to give him an A. I was going to give him a B, B plus. Um, I thought, obviously, like he's been every game this year, uh, he's been very efficient, making the right throws, the right decisions outside of one. Um, and, you know, just ultimately, I agree. I, I would like to see more touchdowns. I would still like to see uh, more down the field throwing a little bit. I think, uh, like mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, I think Brandon Cooks, it's still going to – I think it's still going to come and it's probably going to be this game. Um, but I, I kind of agree with what Ryan's been saying this whole time is I still don't even know if we've gotten into play two of this playbook uh, because, mm -hmm. honestly, we we haven't had to. Um, so that's kind of my grade on him. The one thing that I'll say that I really, really loved during this game is when – and not 
saying that I like that he got injured. But when Christian Gonzalez came out, right, they put a rookie uh, drafted uh, brand new cornerback over CD Lamb on that side. And Dak said, screw it, CD, you're getting the ball. And he made a perfect throw on a perfect route for a touchdown. And so I kind of like that killer instinct and just Dak and CD lining up being like, hey, we're better than you and making Mm -hmm. that play. And so I really like seeing that. Um, and overall, I think BV plus is a is a fine grade for Dak right there. So, yeah, um, shatter how... the shatter the script, shatter the script right now. The yeah, I'll say. with the highest how, grade how for the, how the track E Man Woman Hater Club. Did I just uh, have E Man Woman Hater Dak Club a uh, top <laughs> grade for Dak on this pod, bro? I it's crazy to me. I give him. You want to change your grade? Is it getting hot or super cold in here? Is is it freezing over? You know what? This is horrible for your agenda. You you know what? Fuck it. Give me a D minus. (laughs) (laughs) Where's Trey Lance? He needs to throw more yards. (laughs) Yeah. Where's Trey Lance? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Where's Cooper Rush, man? I need need a white guy back there. Come on, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like like the 50-year-old, like, the 50 year old Cowboys fans that are like, this won't ever believe, like, they all hated Quincy Carter for one known reason. The reason that they don't think Dak has it, and the reason that mm-hmm. they don't like Patrick Mahomes. We all know why. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're a little I bit on the race. Don't think he can play good football. I mean, he's just an undisciplined player. He's like, not he's as he's good as Troy. Like, yeah, yeah, Troy yeah. was a leader. Troy had 17 Hall of Famers on his team, too. So, uh, (laughs) you know, so there's that. But, but yeah. And the best, one of the best coaches of all time, but we won't get into that. Yeah. Hey, the back in my, if a quarterback, first of all, if he was a quarterback, he wouldn't even be in the game. But if he's in the game, if he started. They call flag real quick because that shit was unheard of. We don't, we don't, I don't know about that. (laughs) Back in my day. Joey or Johnny Unitas, you know, he was the greatest quarterback I ever seen in my great two great on eyes. Yeah, yeah. Cy Young was uh it's like, oh come on, dude. We've we've evolved. Oh yeah. Good lord, man. Well, on to predictions for the Cowboys versus 49ers. And you know, obviously this is the segment we've all been, you know, waiting to get to. And if you're you know, you you listen to this podcast, this is what we kind of been escaping from. Uh, is predicting games. So we finally get a little taste of predicting some games today with the most important game on our schedule. So it's only right to start this off with some post-game press conference action with Dak Prescott. Dak, what was the feeling leaving that locker room last January? I mean, it's obvious. I mean... We're so far past that, to be honest with you, but that's obvious. I mean, you just want to piss me so off going appreciate that. I do, actually. I do. Um, yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, there's the second yeah. part of that clip where he's like, you know, I know we all came in here, but and he stopped himself and started laughing. I'm like, <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are getting like Kane in an event, like Canon event Dak this next game. He's, he's putting on the hood. It's Revenge of the Zip, Zip time. So yeah, I, I I don't know what's going on, but I don't know. Well, I don't know about you guys. I've never seen a pissed off Dak in a press exactly. conference. I've never. So something's changing. I think. I think he and like you just said, Revenge of the Sith. You can see those uh, those blue eyes turn yellow real quick, and 
you see in this kind of the Sith side of, of Dak come out in the postgame press conference. And I like it. I'm, you know, it's kind of like and you see in some people's lives um, that I know personally, it's just selfless acts over and over and over again. And they just keep demanding that you continue to be selfish. And then when is it time to get yours? You know, when is it time to defend your own name and stuff like that? So it's like here, I like it. Uh, he's been so humble for his entire career. He has taken so much hate. And then he he just constantly reminded of his failures. And then he goes in there and says, way past that. I'm pissed off. We got a game to play this Sunday. And if he loses, he loses. But, you know, I'm looking forward to a good game from Dak Prescott. But I want to let the kids start this one off. Um, and you can kind of tell us how he thinks our keys to success to winning this game on. Maybe some thoughts in the post-game press conference. I know you haven't gotten a chance to comment on those as well. Um, but I want to let you kickstart this one because I feel like I feel like you're going to hit it right on the nail, brother. Brother. I got brother. a little song of what I think needs to happen. <clears throat> Cowboys versus Niners. Two NFC best going head-to-head, and the offense is going to have to be better than ever. The defense can't score touchdowns every single game, but they can make stops and put the offense in good field position. If Dallas does not score in the red zone, they will not win. CeeDee Lamb needs to be involved heavenly while the defense needs to wrap up on all the time, all their playmakers, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, uh, C-Mac. I will say this. CeeDee Lamb, you are wide receiver behind Jamar this week. And if Dallas <laughs> in the red zone, they will win. This has a capability of being a shootout. Final score, 27-24 Dallas. Rolling with the boys this week's hoorah. Mm. 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 Don't tempt me, brother. Don't tempt me. I'll let, medical I'm guy, I want to let's push it up. I'm going 5 for 0. I do not give 8. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. I love the call. <laughs> I love the company. Yeah. Um, so to touch on that post game presser, that is the most like, bitch. If you don't shut up, face <laughs> I've ever seen from Dak Prescott. Like if you don't shut your bitch ass up, this I'm gonna come in and shot it, bro. Yeah, dude, it was great. Um, but my prediction for the game, I actually think it's gonna be a 28-17 Cowboys victory. Uh, I think there's gonna be a. I think it's gonna be a. It's going to be a uh, a big-time struggle for Purdy because I think it's going to be more pressure than he's seen all year, not only with the game but with the defensive uh, front. Um, I don't think CMC necessarily gets shut down, but I don't think he's going to have a four-touchdown game like he's had essentially all season. Um, and I think uh, this, is a big, this is a big statement game for Dak and the Cowboys. Um, and then my final my final takeaway on this, and it's kind of what I've talked about with, uh, you know, don't get don't get stat stat watching, don't do this, don't do this. It doesn't matter how you win this game, just win. And so I yeah. think that's going to be the biggest takeaway, uh, and that's my prediction for the Cowboys 49ers game. You know, he he won't. You're right. He won't have four touchdowns. He will have five. But if that happens, then I might have to take a break from the podcast for a few weeks. <laughs> it's going to be like that Shane Gillis meme that's been going around. No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you might not hear from me until like, no. like, next Sunday. And stepping in at quarterback for the Cowboys, Zone Curly. <laughs> He's a 47 alcoholic. And he... <laughs> 
Oh, well, I guess I'll go. Oh, I've gone back and forth about this game so many times. I've been ready for it, and I've been saying for uh, since the beginning of the season, even before the season started, that this game is going to determine a lot. And it's exactly what I was saying earlier. It's like everybody's talking about how the Cowboys haven't played anybody. You know, the 49ers haven't played anybody. And the Eagles haven't played anybody. This is going to be from here on out. This will tell. This is a sure sign teller on if Cowboys should be, or like Cowboys fans should be like, oh yeah, we're there, or it's going to tell you mm, we got sh- we got shit we're going to have to work on. So uh, you know, bottom line, I think this is going to be an extremely close game. The Niners opened up as two and a half point favorites over Dallas, which I think is a fair line. But this game is going to come down pressuring QBs on both sides. Um, I think the way that the Niners stop Dak is they get in his face and they get to him fast. And I, I'm nervous, like, if Tyron Smith isn't going to play, they're saying he's iffy. But it sounds like we're going to have the four out of the other five. So we're going to have, you know, Steele finally – or still there, Zach Martin back, uh, Biotish, and uh, Tyler Smith, who's played really well. And he actually worked really well um, with uh, – Adube, or however you say his name, Chimo Adube. Is that yeah, it? yeah. Chuma. So, Chuma. Yeah. So, Shwarma. They looked really good last week against the Patriots and stopped Judon well. So, I would just like to have Tyron Smith back because when he's been on the field this year, he's been an absolute terminator. But, um, you know, going back to my prediction, prediction on the game is I'm very skeptical and I, I'm, I want to be proven wrong. So my heart tells me that Dallas wins, but my gut tells me that this game is going to end 24-21 49ers. That is my Move gut. this man. And I will tell you this now. I will tell you this now. I'm saying that because I want to be proven wrong. I, I want to sit there and be like, we just beat the 49ers. But my gut is telling me the Cowboys go out and lose this game. This is but a perfect. My it's all in. I'm going against everybody on this podcast because I want to be proven wrong. And I want the Cowboys to go out there and bust them in the mouth. I just want them to kick that. I just want them to kick CMC off the field. I want them, I just want them to kill him. So that's my prediction. But I'm, my heart is forever Dallas faithful. That's a perfect one to follow up on. Get the mic away from me. How is that? How is that? How is that possible? Lady? I'm talking about you're hitting him in the mouth. This is football. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, Put your head this, out it's the first one. <laughs> this is the first. This is a great one to follow up on because uh, Hunter knows this very well. I have this ability to do certain things when I say things about certain events, and the things that precede them go the opposite way that I say that they're going to go. I'm trying not to say the word. Who are you? Are you Acho off of the speak right now? Imagine playing Madden. Imagine playing Madden, and I say something, and then the bad thing happens. So let's just put that word. I'm not going to say the word because I don't want to. Anyway. I got the uh, so with this game the, being the way it is, da- if Dallas is going to win this game, they're going to have to convert in the red zone. They're going to have to convert in the touches because I tell you who damn sure is the 49ers. They're most likely going to convert most the majority of their red zone trips into touchdowns. And if my defensive strategy going into this game is, and I'm sure the 49ers watched a lot of film on it last year, was I'm spying CMC the exact same way I did in the 2022 divisional round minimize the threat. And then if I'm the Cowboys offense, I'm attacking the secondary. And I think 
the the pass rush is going to be quite effective. You know, we got Bosa, you got all those other guys on the inside. You know, the linebacker is going to be great coast to coast. The the major factor in this game, and this is going to sound crazy for you know certain years, Ferguson. Ferguson has to be a threat to create deep ball opportunities and the big plays win this game. Whoever makes the most big plays win this game. And the great positive thing about the Cowboys is, is, they're, is they're winning with all three phases of the game. However, my gut does not tell me it tells me the same as what Ryan's does. And I guess that's why we are brothers. But I I've got the 49ers slightly ahead in a shootout. I've got them 38 to 34. 49ers and I think it's a good measuring stick for the rest of the season and I think Dallas comes out just guns blazing and I think it's a lot like that Buccaneers game in 2021 like damn everybody on both sides of this team played their their guts out the 49ers got the best of us um that's all I'll say what I just remember what I said earlier just remember what I said earlier my heart wants something else my gut says the other (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll see, but let's let's transition yeah, into let's transition <laughs> into our two minute drill. Um, obviously, we got the medical guy and the analyst, medical guy handling the injuries and medical analysis, obviously, and the analyst statistical analysis. So, I'll let you two pick between the two of you uh, who wants to run this mug first in the two minute drill. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead. Uh, so we'll start off with the two minute drill. Okay. So medical guy going over their injury analysis. Okay. I'll keep it quick. A lot of these are our stuff we've kind of mentioned throughout. Uh, but first we have Kyler Murray ACL is still considered weeks from playing, um, was projected to, to play starting week five, looking like weeks. Okay. Uh, two big injury questions for the bills, Jordan Poyer and Tredavious White. Poyer is listed as questionable, but uh, Tredarius Wyatt, torn Achilles, he's going to be out for, you know, the foreseeable future. Um, another interesting one for you fantasy people, especially uh, the Brook. Okay. Uh, T. Higgins has broken ribs, right? Uh, it's saying he could play against the Cardinals, but honestly, against the Cardinals, I necessarily wouldn't count on it. Um, these are injuries that can get worse, and if he does get hit the wrong way or gets hit too hard, could look at injuring some type of vital organs. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, we got Tyron Smith with an iffy knee. Don't necessarily know if that's the correct medical terminology for what's wrong with him, but they have listed him with an iffy knee. Uh, so take that as what you will. Uh, Javante Smith uh, Williams, um, he's got a hip flexor injury. Uh, he's running back for the Broncos. So if you have him on your fantasy team, you know, check him out. Uh, go get some Ajay Piran or whatever McLaren that had or McCaughlin that had like 18 points uh, sitting on the waiver wire. Uh, next is the Texans O-line. Uh, yeah, they're all hurt. And so it kind of just shows how good C.J. Stroud's been uh, and shows that you probably don't need to worry about it too much with how well he's been playing. Uh, for the Chargers, we got Austin Eckler, who's considered out still, and Joey Bosa, who's considered uh, out as well. Um, so keep the, keep an eye on those. Uh, one kind of interesting injury is, uh, Justin Herbert had a broken finger on his non-throwing hand, actually got it splinted and taped up during the game against the chargers. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty cool, but a uh, pretty, pretty grit way of looking at that quarterback. Um, 
Next, these two happen in the Dallas Cowboys game, but Christian Gonzalez is suspected to have a torn labrum in his shoulder. Uh, sometimes you can play through those depending on how pain tolerance is. The pain's too bad, and you know if the shoulder keeps subluxing, which means it moves in and out of socket, uh, or if it full on dislocates, that would that would mean more towards like end of the season type stuff. Uh, next is Matthew Judon for the. Patriots. He suffered a torn bicep tendon. I know he's come out and said that uh, you know he'll he's going to come back and play. Not likely. Not likely at all. Um, and so those are kind of my wrap up of the injuries this week. Uh, the little niche that I'm going to go with, and I'm, we're going to try to keep going, even if I'm on the pod or not on the pod, is what's <laughs> called the DB list, the down bad list. And so it went three weeks in a row of hosts on the podcast or people on the podcast ended up being sick. Currently, I've been removed from the DB list. COVID didn't get me down. I'm back. Don't care what symptoms you do to me. I'm not getting another jab. It doesn't, it's not going to happen. Okay? <laughs> I'm off the DB list. However, the person that's going on the DB list, and Jared, you need to thank me because I was going to put the Texas Rangers and their fans on the DB list. But they won <laughs> today, and they looked really good. Yes, um, sir. But, but they were being some absolute bitches about not winning the AO West. Yeah. Um, and it's just absurd. Not a but good look. not going to put them on here. They were runner-up. Honorable mention DB list, if you may. <laughs> but we talked about this guy in the beginning of the podcast, and this guy needs to be on the DB list for the foreseeable future because this was the most just ass-backwards way of thinking, sissified, just triggering way of thinking, is Riverboat Ron Rivera. Brother. <laughs> You came out and said, after your team just ran down the field on one of the best teams in the league, right, tied it or brought it within one point, okay, with, you know, a damn near uh, last pick in the draft, Sam Howell, or whatever he is, the great value Baker Mayfield, if you may, just drives down the field with all of this offense right here. And you get there a chance to win the game. You got nothing to lose. Right. You got nothing to lose. Nobody, nobody expects you to be anything this year. And you've got a chance to win the game. And instead of being like, oh, we thought we could take them in overtime. Oh, we thought we had to jump on them when we got the ball back. Yada, yada. Our offense is moving the ball. Anything else. But you said your offense looked tired. Brother. One way to keep them from not being tired anymore is win or lose a game. And then they got a whole damn week off. <laughs> and you decide to go out there and lose pathetically in overtime no offense to anybody's character out there but i i just thought that was just an atrocious call and i thought it was an even more atrocious excuse to use of why you didn't go for two because all of us have played sports and you know i know y'all played more football than i did obviously but whenever your coach was like yeah guys let's go for two uh, i'm pretty sure that got everybody riled up like hell yeah let's go for two like yeah, we're better than this team Let's go for the win. Let's cut the throat. And he said his team was too tired. If I was his team, I'd be like, it would be that Dak Prescott look at our coach after that. Be like, yeah, what? 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 So sorry for rambling on a little bit, but that kind of got got under my skin. Um, and he needs to be on the the DB list for foreseeable future. Ron, yeah, Riverboat Ron, take the riverboat away. It's just <laughs> Ronald now, and you're you're on the DB list. Yeah, and it's a real quick comment on that too. I think somebody needs to make a meme of uh, 
you know, there's the commander in chief, and it just it just needs to say the commanders in chief with the war pig penetrating Ron Rivera from behind. And oh my just, God. <laughs> I, I, it would be a great meme, but Ryan. Yeah. Go ahead with your two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill. You know I, who I am, the analyst, uh, stats and analytics. So a lot of big games this last week, and here we go. We've got – we're going to start with Justin Hero Ball Herbert. Uh, stat line wasn't big, only had 167 yards, but he had a broken figure. Absolute money ball on third and ten from his own end zone. This team is still do or die offensively. Their defense is trash. Uh, next, we've got uh, – I'm going to coin Jacobs from earlier. Josh, uh, golden boy Allen, said earlier this guy clears. 320 yards, five touchdowns. He's just a straight-up dog, but it's like a button masher on Madden. He clicks too many buttons. He gets a little bit out of control. Could cause an issue. And then we've got greased-up arm, WD-40, that elbow, Stafford, and uh, Puka, the Himalayan. You know, what can I say except you're welcome? Uh, 319 yards yards and a touchdown from Stafford. They gave up a 23-point lead, but they came back and finished it in overtime. Puka, 160 yards in the game-winning catch. Stafford is the king of making wide receiver ones. Just give him a guy at this point. He's going to let him dive down the field. And then we've got C.J. Stroud, boy. Shocking <laughs> in the league. Another solid game. Crowder with Crowder. Yeah, exactly. Broke the record for most attempts without an INT. That's crazy. That was actually owned by Dak when he was a rookie. 306 yards and two touchdowns. Great game from Stroud Boy. Next up, we've got Khalil Old Man Mac. He's still got it. Six sacks. Strong outing from the old man. Really helped the Chargers to a dub. That defense still stinks. Next, we've got Micah Lyon Parsons. Nine pressures, was over the field all game. Really excited to to see what he brings to the San Francisco game. I hope he eats. And then last but not least, my favorite part of the day, always. Oh, bring it on. Wilson (laughs) passing chart. As we all know, he can't throw. So (laughs) let me get that thing up for you. Can everybody see my screen? Give us one second. It's loading. There it is. There it is. All right. So for the first time in my life, he hit the middle of the field inefficiently. Can you believe that? Very, very uncommon. Uh, He didn't throw for any yards. He was efficient. Let me pull up those stats for you real fast. Very efficient on the field, but he threw for like 228 yards. 223 Russell Wilson, 21 for 28, 223 yards and three touchdowns. Um, lucky for him, Justin Fields and the Bears sucked, so they gave him this game. <laughs> so you can say Russell Wilson was cooking, but, I mean, if you look at this passing chart, uh, nothing really special. You had five completions in the middle of the field. That's yeah, the first time I've seen this in four years. Um, <laughs> he's basically a Walmart Dak Prescott where he can throw, but he's not throwing deep. So there you go. That's the uh, two-minute drill for the statistics of the week. Um, CMC, I would see MVP front runners going into this. CMC, Josh Allen, and yeah, that's that's really your two front runners. And I would even sit, put Justin Jefferson up there. He's he's killing it. So those are your three uh, MVP guys. Uh, there's not really any 
quarterbacks out there other than Josh Allen, they're playing lights out. Uh, maybe Tua, but yeah. So way too early to tell rankings of MVP. Tua non. Golf claps. <laughs> Do a wall now. Yeah, there you go. You're up. Oh my god, I missed one. Oh my gosh. Jalen, look at me. I can throw Hurts. 319 yards and two touchdowns. He got in a shootout and he made a throw. I'm just not convinced that it's going to last. So Jalen uh, really was trying to let everybody know that he can throw a football this weekend. <laughs> right. Woo. Moving on. Excellent two-minute drill, boys. Welcome. Going to the – the kids' picks of the week. You know, do a little recap from last week. If you took what I said, I was three for three with Bijan over rushing yards, C Mac over rushing yards, and Laporta over receiving yards. Hey, you want to hit a green bean real quick? Green bean. <laughs> so we got we got we got a little of a we got two picks from the Thursday night slate, and you know you price pick. Always pocket watching, already bumping shit up when they don't need to. Uh, we got Terry McLaurin <laughs> over 60 and a half yards. They're going against the Bears. The Bears are dog shit. Sorry, Bears. But uh, expect him to probably catch a 70-yard touchdown and not look back. DJ Moore, I found his prop, 48 and a half yards receiving. And I was like, oh, that's that's money. No, they bumped it up to 50 and a half. So sorry, guys. We're a little late, but 50 and a half yards receiving for DJ Moore to show you that it's going to hit. That's the reason why they bumped it up. And this one seems like cake. You know, Brian mentioned this guy earlier on the Bills. James Cook, over 50 and a half yards versus Jacksonville. I just feel like that's that's money. I can, I can see him having. 15 carries for 75 yards, you know, five yards to carry easily against the Jacksonville defense, who is also horrendous. And let's try to go for another three, three for three, and another green bean. Sorry. And that's the kids' picture of the week. <laughs> I love that, bro. Sitting in the living room, green bean. <laughs> Free money. Free money right there. Free money right there. Go to the general and save some time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, a little recap of week four. All right. We had I had start. If you uh, if you listened to me last week, <laughs> well, let's just say you got uh, the death penalty. Raheem Mostert, <laughs> forty five fantasy points in week three, followed by a crappy five point five PPR performance, seven attempts, nine yards, and a fumble lost. You are terrible. The second one, I told you to start Tank Dell. The snap percentage was there. Uh, 3.9 PPR points, one reception, 16 yards, blowout. Don't bail on Tank Dell. He'll be fine, um, I think. Sit him. Garrett Wilson. 15 points, nine, 14 <laughs> targets, nine receptions, 60 yards. Zach Wilson decided to ball out. Who saw this one coming except, you know, the Swifties? Um, yeah, until they trade for a quarterback, I, I still think he's kind of a middle of the pack wide receiver too. Um, so my fault there, guys. And the one that uh, I got correct, and this just kind of made a lot of sense, was James Conner. 
Um, like I said last week, they've had their fun. They went to the went against the 49ers run defense, 6.6 PPR points, 11 attempts, 52 yards with a reception for four yards. My sleeper of the week, though, however, some might not view him as such. Um, some may have gotten nervous, but I said high risk, high reward. And boy, did he deliver in high reward. Devon A-Chain 47, Miami running back, 27 PPR points, eight attempts, 101 yards. Bless you. Two touchdowns, three receptions, 19 yards. I think somebody sneezed. This week, start Nico Collins. Nico Chico Binko Collins. Cinco Collins. Start him. Number seven in PPR wide receiver. Um, intermediate deep threat, high volume. Six weeks of good matchups coming up. Start Nico Collins. And if you're looking for a wide receiver, trade for him. Some people might not view him as high as others. Start AR-15, Anthony Richardson, the Indianapolis quarterback. He is the 2023 Justin Fields, um, or with the previous, he's the 2022 Justin Fields. He has a rush touchdown in every game that he has started. He is looking like a guaranteed starter for fantasy football. Sit, Jameer Gibbs. Don't put yourself through it any longer. Quit putting yourself through this shit any longer. Just quit it. Bench him. Miniature uh, miniature usage, no goal line work. He's this year's DeAndre Swift. And then sit Joe Burrow. Terrible so far. He's the highest paid quarterback, and he's the highest donkey shit quarterback right now. <laughs> um, no T. Higgins. Probably uh, there's a disconnect with Jamar Chase, 7-11. Just not really confident. And, and you know, you probably have a backup that's going to put up 14 or 15 points, which Joe Burrow can't do ever. Sleeper of the week. This is a guy that you're, if you have players on this team, you're a little nervous, but I think this is the first week all their pieces are put together. Christian Watson, Green Bay wide receiver, I think is going to be a must start this week. You know, he was on a snap count last week and he still caught a touchdown. Um, it's time. Love needs his wide receiver one. He's not going to be on a snap count. And of course, this is my new niche. And I just want you guys to enjoy the ride here. This is your heave of the week and we move ourselves down to California where we find ourselves in the Chargers. All right. 24 to 17 here. Brandon Staley is trying his best to screw up this game for the entire city of Cal or state of California. Third and 10, one out of six on third downs. As you can see, two minute warning. They're about to let Aiden McDonald cook. I'll give you a little play-by-play. All right, here we go. Doubles left side at the bottom of your screen. Herbert drops back and pass. Shoves in the pocket. Hey! <laughs> Down the sideline to Josh Palmer. That is your heave of the week. Little pointy, 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 chargey, chargey. Bro, heave of the week. Goes I was to not Justin. expecting that shit. Herbert. Justin Herbert with the heave of the week. I was, not, I was not expecting – Troy Aikman to start doing heave of the week, bro. That caught me off guard. Bro, <laughs> I lost a little saliva there on that heave, bro. I was like, huh? um, well, let's move into our uh, power rankings <laughs> right quick. Um, Hunter, I'll let you go first, and I'll and I'll uh, I'll finish this off. Pause. All right, I'll make it quick. Uh, number one, the Raiders. Um, putting them at number one because they have the best court in the league. Uh, number two, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills because they have the MVP, Josh Allen, Josh Peck, don't matter, five. Uh, the 49ers, 
like we said last week, they're going to be at number three. Like I said, Brock Purdy, Brock Lesnar, Brock Bowers, doesn't matter. He's the luckiest quarterback. You can throw anybody in that system. Number four, I'm going with the USC Trojans. A big <laughs> win this week against the Colorado uh, Boulders. Or Buffalo, sorry, Buffaloes. Uh, Caleb Williams is going to be a great stud in this NFL. Number five, I'm going with the Legacy Lions. They won a big game against Brazos Christian. 40, 42 to 28 for homecoming. Shout out to the Legacy Lions. Uh, number six, they took a little bit of a little creep on my list. They were number one last week. I'm going with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, even though they lost against the 49ers, obviously the 49ers are the better team. That's why they're at number three. Uh, Arizona Cardinals are still blazing hot, like I said, but they are getting their ass whooped this week. Number seven, I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. Dak. Dak for live, DC4L, Dak attack, Cowboys in three. Um, number eight, I'm going with Tua, turn the ball over. Uh, they lost to the number two, the reigning uh, MVP of Josh Allen. He's looking like a front runner, but they got Devin A-Chain 47. Shout out to the number nine, I'm going with the Eagles. Luckily, they had they're going against Robert Rivera or whatever you guys like to call him. To where they didn't want to win the game, so shout out to that. And at number ten, I'm the Fighting Texas A football team. Whoop! And that's gonna do it for my uh, power rankings of the top ten teams in the NFL right now. Thank you. <laughs> you gotta do that more often. You gotta do that, you gotta do that quick talking thing more often. That's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan. All right, mine are a little bit more serious. They're actually NFL teams. Shout out to the Legacy Lions and the AM Aggies. Uh, really, really marching. So uh, I'm going to start with my honorable mentions. These are the guys that didn't make the cut. And this group, I've got the Jags, the uh, Redskins, I mean Commanders, and then whoa, whoa, the uh, whoa. Houston Texans and the Green Bay Packers. So at number 10, I have the Seahawks after what they just did to the Giants that we're going to now pin as a bad team. Um, they looked really good. Uh, Geno Smith did not write back, even though they gave him a little dirty hit there in, like, the first half, and he was talking crap all game. And Aikman didn't like it. He played the old men mentality of, like, just play football. So, yeah. Um, number nine, I have the Baltimore Ravens. Their uh, injury list, uh, it seems like it's exponential, and every year it gets longer and longer. And then number eight, I have Chef Baker Mayfield and his squad of buffoons. Um, they're uh, looking pretty good right now. Their uh, their defense is legit. At number seven, I have the uh, Detroit Lions. Jared Goff, uh, the new Matt Stafford, and uh, Jameer Gibbs, who does not play. And then a coach that says, you know, I don't care if you have, you know, one ass cheek, we're kicking your ass. And then I have <laughs> at number six, or two toes and one ass cheek, we're kicking your ass. That's actually the direct quote. Uh, the the lover of kneecaps. Yeah, that's right. And we should ask if he could actually fight a gorilla and win. So uh, number six, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm still not convinced that this team is what everybody thinks they are. They've truly regressed. And Jalen Hurts is just trying to continue to prove that he can throw the football. At number five, we have our deep, uh, beloved Dallas Cowboys, um, DC4L. I, I have him at number five right now. And I'll explain how they can move up. 
And then at number four, I have the Miami Miami Dolphins. Um, they are sitting at a cool crisp number four after getting their shit rocked by the Buffalo Bills. I had them at number one last week. At number three, they didn't do anything and didn't move up or down and had Taylor Swift win them the game. You've got the Kansas City Taylor Swifts. They're sitting cool, Chris, number three. And then the hot two for the week is uh, Buffalo Bills after they annihilated and killed the Dolphin like Jim Irsay did. Um, <laughs> they have them sitting at number two. And then the number one team that Dallas will beat on Sunday, even though I gave the prediction they won't, the San Francisco 49ers with the luckiest quarterback in the league, Brock Purdy. And like Hunter said, you could put any Brock in that system and you could even put a fat ass and that system and they're going to win ball games. So that is my top 10 rankings. Um, if Dallas wins on Sunday, they automatically move to 32nd in the league because everybody will tell you that this was a bum game and that the 49ers are not good. So oh, there you go. That's you my said, top 10 well, rankings. You said fat ass so aggressively. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you said even up. Badass. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Josh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen is front runner for MVP. Well, technically, but you know. Yeah. Well, 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 Look, you could throw you could throw Lizzo in San Francisco's offense, and they're going to move the football. Okay. You're about to get canceled, Ryan. You better watch out. Uh, I think I'm already canceled after this episode. Yeah, absolutely. All right, is it my turn? Yes, it is. All right. Starting off with our top 32 teams in the NFL. <laughs> we have number uh, we have number 32, the Miami Dolphins, because they lost and they were in my top 10. Okay. <laughs> so they go all the way back down to the bottom. Okay. Now we're going to skip all the way back to number one. Number one, we have the Astros. Let's go, AOS champions, baby. Suck it, Jared. Uh, number two, we have the Tyler Junior College Apaches. They got a hey. nice win over the NEO, who God knows who. Um, and is a struggle, but we won for rank number six in the nation in JCAA, but we're number two in the NFL. Um, oh, yeah. Number three is going to be the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they keep winning. Okay. Number four, right? Number four. Going to be Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. Then we're going to have uh, nobody. Nobody does the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody, nobody does, does the, the wagons, wagons like the go. Buffalo Bills. There we go. Uh, oh, and I got to make a change. Number 33 is the Kansas City Chiefs because Taylor Swift gave me COVID. Um, <laughs> then after the Buffalo yeah. Bills, we have the Baltimore Ravens. Then we have the Dallas Cowboys because I'm not putting them in my top five until they beat a decent team, um, especially according to the media because every team they beat sucks ass. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Then we have – And we do too. Yeah. Uh, then we have the Detroit uh, head coach who's a lover of kneecaps, Lions. Uh, next we have Geno. Didn't write back, but he definitely came into the game after getting rocked after Drew Locke came in and balled out. We have the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, then my kind of two sleeper picks after that, we got the, you know, Baker Mayfield, 30-30 Buccaneers. And then we got, uh, you know, 
Jared's people, the CJ Stroud boys, the Houston Texans. <laughs> so uh, we got them in, and that rounds off That's my hard. top 33 teams in the NFL right there. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> I am, in fact, not a Stroud boy. Uh well, to give you a little visual here again, like I did last week, not much is changing. Um, of course, <laughs> of course, you got number one. We'll start here. We got the Denver Broncos coming back victory. Russ was cooking a foldover sandwich against the worst team in football, <laughs> Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus. Um, Moving down, you got. The Buffalo Bills, um, Josh Allen. This is pre-winter Josh Allen. Once he starts getting into those winter, um, you know, categories, it starts getting a little tough. Those white sleeves come out. He looks a little fatter. Beard's growing a little, little bit worse, and he looks like a Wyoming boy had a little bit too much Buffalo Trace whiskey. Number three, A-Chain 47 takes the spot, takes the reins there. Nick Sirianni and his sunken eye sockets will take number four. Taylor Swift and the vaccine will take number five for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Arizona Cardinals are at number six, tied with the Dallas Cowboys. Until Dallas beats the Arizona Cardinals, they will not move from that spot. <laughs> um, so DC4L, uh, Dax Cock for life. Number seven, we got the Ravens. The busting up Ravens. Number eight, Dan Campbell. You are going to prison um, for what you're doing to Jameer Gibbs. This is worse than, you know, nonviolent offenders spending life in prison. I mean, if you go play running back in Detroit, get the hell out of there. You might as well just spend your rest of your life in actual prison than play for the Detroit Lions. Um, and, of course, like everyone said already, ain't right back yet. Sorry, I was unoriginal there. But um, DSL, Geno Smith. Didn't came back into the game. And then, of course, number 10, you got Brandon Staley. We got the Rams, the Chargers, and the Bucks all kind of right there. You know, juggle it. I was about to do the Skip Bayless quote. I was about to do the Skip Bayless quote. Juggle it, mount it, swallow it, whatever you want to do. Yeah, whatever you do. Skill up, swallow it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, what I think is uh, what I... <laughs> so that rounds up my uh, top 10 power rankings there um, yeah so finish out with our records of the week and let's get the hell out of here because before we get cancelled yeah, <laughs> I'll start with mine um, actually sorry the medical guy I'll allow you to start first I just close out my document <laughs> okay well I'm, I'm going to go with my record for the week it's going to be another statistical record um, but it's going to go shout out to the Minnesota Twins. They won their first playoff game in the last 19 playoff games they've played. And so that's dating back to 2004. So you can imagine how many times they've been in the playoffs and had to lose to be to go 18 games, making the playoffs and not winning a single playoff game. So, shout out to them. They won one. Monkeys off their back. They're good to go. Hopefully, they lose to the Astros the next round. Uh, and then, you know, their streak can start back over. That's an easy one. Ooh. Brian? My record of the week, and I want to shout this out. We've said it a couple times on this podcast. Moving goalposts, you know, 
all of a sudden the Jets' defense is good again. Uh, but when Dak shredded them, uh, they weren't good. But then when they stopped Josh Allen, they were good. So um, my record of the week is moving goalposts. Like, it only applies to Dak Prescott, and I'm really getting sick of it. And it's always going to be like that because we're Dallas fans. But, like, give the man credit where credit is due. And it's kind of ridiculous that all of a sudden how fast, like, we were just talking about in power rankings, like, all of a sudden a team's not good anymore. So if the Dallas Cowboys, like I said, beat the San Francisco 49ers, then the 49ers in my rankings will go down to 33 and they will be under the TJC Apaches. So, yeah, moving goalposts for record of the week. And to touch on my record, that was the longest losing streak in the history of all major sports leagues ever. Wow. 18 in a row. That is where they go. Where they go and either get bounced first game or they go into it and then it's like, boom, they lose two in a row, three in a row, and they're out. Like, don't win a single damn game in a series. Wow. That's atrocious. Hunter? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one of the little awkward... uh, Which is all staring at the screen. Just like... Looking at his mic, bro. (laughs) (laughs) My verse of the day gonna be be a little little different yeah. it's gonna be cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you peter five seven basically if you're going through a little bit of a rough stretch and you you know you have all this anxiety building up you're stressing you know pray pray and pray and pray to him and you will it might not come right away but all that anxiety will be casted away because he cares for you. Plain and simple, but you know, Hell yeah. give everything up to, you know, the God that you look up to, whatever God that is, and let that anxiety leave your body. That'll preach. That'll preach. Yeah. Respect. I shouldn't have gone last. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Records of the week. Uh, he's on my miniature DB list. 111.8 to 111.64 W. Ocaso. 0.16, that's got to be a record for the smallest margin of victory in the history of fantasy sports. And there should have been a stat correction there. Um, <laughs> that, that was a, yeah, bad beat, bad beat. Sorry, Cuzzo. Um, okay. We'll, well, next year we'll do one against the league median. Um <laughs> All right, well, that wraps up our podcast, uh, Track 16, The Rook and the Kid, featuring the medical guy and the analyst as our contributors. As always, we thank everybody for tuning in. Um, You know, always give us feedback. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, YouTube, iHeart, I mean, Amazon Music. You can find us everywhere now. Um, And you'll be able to listen to us on Apple for good audio. Um, And then you'll be able to watch us both on YouTube and Spotify. So if you want a little bit of both, you can venture out to those. Just search T-R-A-K podcast on each one and it we will pop up for you. And you'll see the, the blue and the white. Um, follow our Instagram, track.pod for any, and you can contact us there for any inquiries. All of our memes, videos, and stories will be on there. The kid and I will, and it will be operating the Twitter account at the track pod. And of course, you can always keep an eye out on each of our Twitter profiles for medical updates, statistical analysis, 
Um, and then of course me and Hunter bantering around all the time. So appreciate you guys coming out. We'll see y'all next Wednesday. Go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. Go Astros. Go Cowboys. Go Rangers. Go Rangers. (laughs) See y'all. Y'all have a good rest of y'all's week. Later, boys.